Hi, this is Liz Craven. Welcome to Sage Aging. This is your podcast for understanding the aging and caregiving journey and connecting to the information and resources that will make your experience better. Before we dive in, let me remind you that you can find all Sage Aging episodes, the Sage Aging Elder Care Guide, and much more at eldercareguide.com. Hello and welcome everyone. Thanks so much for taking the time to hang out with me a little bit today. I promise you that I will make it well worth your while. Today's topic is a good one and there's a lot of information to cover. So much information that I decided to split this episode into two episodes. So in this episode, we'll have part one of our topic, which is acing your next doctor's appointment. And in part one, we're going to cover all of those things that you should do to prepare before you go to your doctor's appointment. And in the next episode, we will go over all of the things that you should be aware of and your responsibilities to make sure that the experience you have during your visit is a good one. So that's a lot to cover There are a lot of good things that you can learn from this conversation. I'm so glad you're here to take advantage of that. What we hope to do is give you some tips and some tools, some awareness and education. I've got a checklist that I'm making for you also, and those things are going to help you gain a little bit of control over how you experience your visits with your medical providers. It's no secret that our doctors are busy people. They have all kinds of things going on in their office every day. And though they do have a lot of responsibility in making sure that our experiences are good ones, we can guarantee that our experience will be a good one if we take care of those responsibilities ourselves in some instances. It's really hard for them to make sure that everything is covered. And so if you will take control of that every time you go see the doctor, you'll have better health outcomes and better experiences when you have those visits. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And joining me for this conversation is Sandra Washington. She's an incredible lady. We met on Clubhouse a while back, and I was immediately taken by her efforts as a patient advocate. So that is what her profession is. She is a patient advocate. She is an author. She's a healthcare speaker. She's a senior subject matter on patient advocacy and patient empowerment. And she has a wealth of knowledge and information and experience that she can share with us today. So welcome to the podcast, Sandra. I am so excited to have you. Thank you so much, Liz. I'm certainly excited to be here. You know, I told you when we first met, If there's a passion in my heart, that passion is to be the best independent board certified patient advocate that I can be so that I can help all people, especially my loving seniors, because without our senior population, this world would not be where it is. And so therefore, I have a special soft spot in my heart for them and making sure that they get everything that they deserve and all the treatment that they receive from their doctor's office is, of course, of the optimal health care. So it's all about loving on our seniors to make sure that they're taken care of, because after all, they took care of all of us. 
They sure did. That really does encapsulate why I was so drawn to you in the first place. For those who are not aware, Clubhouse is another social media platform. It's a place where you can go in and have live conversations. And Sandra joined me a number of times for some Saturday morning talks that we did just to spill the information out to people. Just another avenue, kind of like a podcast right here, that we would go in and just let people ask us questions. And to the best of our ability, we would lead them to the answers and additional resources where they could dig deeper and learn. And so I think we really connected in that way because we both have a heart for that kind of service. We want to share what we know to empower other people to have a better experience. In my case, I want to empower people to have better caregiving and aging experiences. And I love that the advocacy part that you can bring to the table is just such a benefit. Well, thank you so much. It benefits me to know that I can turn on the TV and hear a story about a senior that went for whatever medical treatment and got such good treatment that they actually had to broadcast it. And like I said, our senior population is one of those groups that seem to somehow or another be always at the beck and call of not understanding and no one being able to help them. Well, we're going to get a little deeper into that. But first, we're going to do something just a little bit fun. I would love for listeners to be able to connect to you in a little bit of a personal way. So why don't you give me two words that you would say describe you? Dedicated and passionate. I could have chosen those. You're absolutely right. (laughs) Where does all that dedication and passion come from? Is that something that was instilled in you by one of your parents or a grandparent? Where did that come from? You know, I want to actually give credit and thank you so much for asking that question. I want to actually give credit to both my maternal grandmother and my paternal grandmother. I was named after both of them, believe it or not. My maternal grandmother's name was actually Christopher Louise. May she continue resting in heaven. My paternal grandmother's name was Henrietta Louise. And may she forever continue resting in heaven. I take that from them. My paternal grandmother passed away when I was yet but a teen. My maternal grandmother, she lived till I was like in my 20s and 30s. The stories that I heard about my paternal grandmother, the love that she had instilled in her for her family and her community. My maternal grandmother, she was a geriatric nurse. She was a geriatric CNA. And Mm. sometimes listening to the stories as a child that she would tell about the heartaches that she would encounter in her work actually drove it within me. I love that sometimes I get very short answers to my questions and that was so beautiful. And I do feel that'll help people connect to you a little bit because we all have that kind of story about somebody important in our life, don't we? Yes, we should. And it's never ever too late to get someone like that. When we're talking about our older Americans, right? It's not too late. They can always outreach organizations such as yours through Sage Aging. They can actually Mm -hmm. have their caregiver or their grandchildren or their children or even themselves look online and see what organizations are around to help the older American population. Because when they do that, it actually sets up a community of love and a community of care. And what that does is it helps them 
remove a lot of that stress that comes along with just not knowing and feeling like they have no one to turn to to ask questions mm-hmm. of whenever they align themselves with those types of organizations and those types of people. Right. And that's a great segue to kick off our conversation about being completely engaged. When I say engaged, I mean actively participating in what happens with, for, and to you in your world. So whether you are someone who is aging, someone who is providing care, someone who is a provider, I think we all have our responsibility when it comes to each of the interactions we have in every area of our life on a daily basis. But the core of the question that we want to impress upon people today is why is it important to be actively engaged in your health care? You know, closed mouths never get fed. In no greater place do we see that today than in our health care. Closed mouths never get fed. Patients have rights and patients have responsibilities. And one of those rights that they have is to ensure that the doctor's talking to them in language that they understand, that they're leaving out of that doctor's office with information that they understand so that they can be compliant in whatever the doctor says. A responsibility that they have that goes hand in hand with that is they have the responsibility to speak up speak loud. And I'm not talking about being boisterous when they talk, but I'm saying be loud enough so that what they're asking for, what they're demanding isn't falling on deaf ears. There's someone there that's hearing them and someone there that's doing something to act on their behalf and then speak often. That's a patient's responsibility. The greatest tool that any patient can have when they go to the doctor's office is the use of their voice. And if your voice isn't being heard because you're afraid, find somebody that can speak for you. Find somebody, a friend, a family member. My business, MediHelps, works with patients all the time. But it's always, always important that the patient understand the importance of their voice and that the patient use that voice to request and to get those rights and responsibilities that they are allotted. That is such a great point. I love the emphasis that we're placing there because it's true. I know there are a lot of people who my generation included, I'm Gen X, and I think we kind of ride the line between the generations and how we view the cultural norms. But in my family, doctors were to be respected and it was almost like a parental or an authoritative figure in your life. And you listened to what they said and you took the advice that they're giving you and you make sure you act upon that and you follow their rules and follow their directives. But a lot of things get missed that way because first of all, we are in a different time and place. Doctors don't spend 30 or 40 minutes with you at a visit like they used to. They can't and they don't have that time. So typically your average visit is going to be 12 to 15 minutes with the doctor. And so you have to know how to take control of that. And like you said, you have to speak up because if you don't speak up, It's going to be another however long until you see that provider again, and good luck getting questions answered once you leave that room. 
Right. And that's so, so true. Liz, you and I grew up in the same generation. When I was younger, we were told, let's do what the doctor is saying. Well, that's because the doctor was actually able to view you, his patient, as a family member. Mm-hmm. He cared for you as a family member. I remember our family doctor coming to do the home visit because my mom couldn't make it to the doctor's office. She was a single mother. My dad had passed away when I was a baby and she couldn't make it to the doctor sometimes. Well, he would come by and he would do home visits. Well, that was when medicine was medicine. And most of your audience that listens to this podcast they are going to remember those good old days too, because that's when medicine was medicine. Well, Mm -hmm. enter the ACO, which is an affordable care organization, enter that age and enter the fact that medicine and healthcare is viewed not as a empathetic ear and viewed as everybody's a part of the family and healthcare is viewed as a business. So when you flip that switch, the older doctors that worked and truly cared about their patients, not that there's not younger doctors that do this, but you had a lot of older doctors that were doing the services for themselves. They didn't have a clock waiting on them. If their patient needed 45, 50 an hour worth of time, they were given that time. They weren't rushed out of the door. Well, now you don't have that. You, You unfortunately... Those days are never coming back. So Mm -hmm. you have to get used to speaking up. And a lot of those older doctors, they retired. So you have a lot of younger doctors now who came in under a whole different system who want to care, who want to love on their patients as much as they can and want the best for their patients. But because healthcare is now branded as a business, they can't do it. Yes, their hands are tied. Thank you for bringing that point to the forefront. We are not here today to demonize the medical professionals because we know they are working within the system that has been presented to them. They have to do what they have to do, and their hands are often tied by the insurance companies and other regulations and the fact that they have to answer to shareholders many times. There are a lot of things at play that shouldn't be at play in healthcare, but this is where we are. And so our point here today is to help you to help your medical providers by being the most prepared that you can be and by being organized and by knowing different things that you can do to help this process go more smoothly. So all the love to the medical providers who are taking care of people. This is about helping you to be more engaged in the process and to have a little more control. That is, in fact, true. It's called patient empowerment, and that's exactly what this call today is about. Once again, it's not about bashing, right? Because we have to work together. We, as the patient, have to do our part and make sure that we're following our rights and responsibilities. And the doctors, on the other hand, do their part in patient-centered care. The patient is the one that controls that care. They will want to work with the patient to make sure that optimal health care is received. And that's for all healthcare professions. Absolutely. So the next point that we're going to cover, this is going to be some of the juiciest meat 
uh, this conversation because we are going to talk to you about how to prepare yourself or a loved one for your doctor's appointment. This will help you to get the most out of every visit that you experience. So I expect we'll spend a few minutes on this because to be an engaged patient is to have a more successful and healthier outcome. So what would you say are the most important ways that people can prepare themselves for a doctor's visit? One of the first things that patients can do is write down the questions that you want to ask your doctor. Now, I'm not talking about writing them down on some scribbly piece of paper and throwing them somewhere and then you can't find it or their notes are not conclusive, which is one reason why I wrote the personal health planner and journal is because they don't have a lot of time to answer those questions or they don't have a lot of time to actually be with the patient while they are going through everything. But if the patient has a question and they have it written down and they say, hey, doc, what about this? right? It's right there in front of them. They can then notate it. Anything that they don't have an answer to at the end of the day, whoever their caregiver is, or even themselves, they can go onto their patient portal, which is where the EHRS, Emergency Electronic Health Record System, that's where their medical information is kept. Is mm-hmm. So they need to know, where's my electronic health record system, aka patient portal, Where is my patient portal? How can I find it? Because if you go to the doctor's office, prepare and say you have 20 questions and the doctor's only able to answer 10, well, then the other 10, you put in your patient portal and send it to the doctor so that he can respond to it. Doctors have timeframes when they're supposed to actually respond to questions that they get from their patients, but the doctors can respond to those without them being in the office. So two takeaways from what I just said is always make sure you have your questions written down. Preparation is key. So when you go in prepared and knowing, okay, well, if I can't get these questions, I'll go put them in my patient portal. That's step number two for patients. Make sure you know where your electronic health record system is. Make sure you or your family member or your caregiver make sure that someone knows how to access your records so that you have your records with you at all times. That is really good stuff. Okay, so what's next? The other thing that you want to do when you go to the doctor's office is you also want to make sure what insurance you have. Many People, especially in our senior population, they have Medicare, a few have Medicare and Medicaid, a few have Medicare, Medicaid, and they have insurance through their employer, they're retired now, but they have retiree benefits. Make sure when you go to the doctor's office that you know what kind of insurance you have so that you don't get a bill from something that you didn't pay or that maybe the insurance company didn't pay it, and now they're saying you're responsible for it. Maybe that doctor is out of network, so that's three and four. Make sure you know what type of insurance you have. The doctor's office, a lot of times, is not going to know what type of insurance you have. They're not going to know that you have two other insurances or another insurance. 
they're not going to know that information because they don't have the time to ask you. But in addition to that, that's not their role. That's what they have an administrative staff for. But what happens a lot of times is that when I say administrative staff, I mean, whoever is at the doctor's office, whether it's a medical assistant, whether they've hired an outside company to do it, whoever's scheduling your appointment, when you schedule your appointment, make sure you are actually giving them all of your information because there are too many times when an older American goes to the doctor's office, they just present with one insurance. That insurance is billed and there's a balance. That balance is then billed to the patient. Well, guess what? If you have two, three insurances, you shouldn't be seeing it. They should be billing the other insurance, but many times it doesn't happen. So please, please, please make sure you know what insurance you have. I had a conversation with someone and I asked them, I said, well, what insurance you have? She says, Medicare. And I'm like, well, what kind of Medicare? She's like, I don't know. I I just know I have Medicare. And I'm like, but you have to know, because now there's traditional Medicare where they pay 80% you pay 20% or there's Medicare Advantage. There's a difference and there's a difference in how you are billed when you go to the doctor's office. So you really need to know what insurance you have. And for those who are listening that do not know, look and see what you have as far as your Medicare coverage, because there's Medicare plans that actually offer different things. So you want to make sure what your plan covers, but you also want to make sure that you're giving that information to the doctor's office so that when you go, they know who it is they should bill and how it is they should bill it out. That is such a good point. I can back that up with an experience, not my own, but a very good friend of mine, her husband has had a lot of issues over the last year. And so they've seen a lot of doctors. And often the doctor will say, I need to send this to the lab for tests and whatever. And the patient assumes that they're going to send that sample to someone within their network. But that's not what always happens. Typically, a medical office is going to have certain people that they tend to work with more. You have the right to choose who that sample goes to. But if you don't communicate that to your doctor's office and be aware on your own that these are the labs that are in my network, then that could become a problem and you are going to get lots of bills. (laughs) And And sadly, it's not just happening to those in our senior population. Sadly, it happens to even younger people where they go to the doctor and the doctor says, okay, well, I want you to go to lab XYZ. And they mm-hmm. go to a lab X, Y, Z, and then they get a bill. And they're like, well, why did I get this bill? How come I have this bill? Well, there's two ways that that's handled, right? You can always call because sure. when your in-network doctor sends you to a place to get services rendered, and then you find out that that doctor is not in that network, you can call the insurance company and file an appeal. What that appeal will do was actually in a lot of times see that you only went to that doctor because your in-network doctor told you to go there. So they'll go ahead and pay it at the in-network rate. Many people don't realize that. They go, their in-network doctor sent them there. 
And they went thinking that the in-network doctor, where they send them to, is also in-network. And right. they're not supposed to do that. Right. But if you don't tell them, for instance, with my insurance, for a long time, my doctor wanted to send me to the lab that actually belongs to the medical group that I'm part of. Only my insurance company doesn't cover them. So I'm like, yeah, I'm not going there. And Mm -hmm. so he was actually able to get me where I needed to go. But how many people go to the doctor's office, they get something, they don't know to tell them that this is what insurance I have. And they're sent to the wrong place by an in-network doctor. Then the insurance company, a lot of times will actually go ahead and pay it at the in-network rate because it was their doctor, which is why doctors sign contracts with insurance companies because they set up the rules and regulations but when they're sent there by the in-network doctor they'll get that bill paid but a lot of times they don't know it and it's a bit unrealistic for us to expect every doctor's office because they work with multiple insurance plans to get it right every single time and that's another reason that we as individuals and as the patients need to be responsible for keeping track of all of those things on our own. There's a couple of things that people should always know and always have. One is you need to know the number to your insurance companies. If you have three insurance companies, you need to have the numbers to all three insurance companies somewhere where you can write it down. So what will happen is when you leave the doctor's office and you call Mm -hmm. your insurance company and say, well, my doctor gave me an order or referral to go see Dr. Sue. Can you tell me if Dr. Sue was in my network? It's as simple as picking up the phone and calling and asking your insurance company, because it's what their customer service reps are paid for is to help their members and ask the rep, hey, is this provider in network? And if they tell you, no, it's not, your next question is going to be, well, who is? Mm -hmm. So that you can get a list and they can send you a list. Who's in network that does this particular type of service? They send you the list. You'll then have something to go back to your doctor and say, okay, well, this doctor you gave me this for is not my network, but this doctor is. Can you send me here? Or do you have a problem with me going there? So one of the best tips that I can give anybody is please become familiar with what insurance you have, what the customer service numbers are, what their hours are. A lot of insurance companies have round-the-clock agents that answer their phone, right? Right. So there's a thing, well, my daughter or my son usually does this, but they work till 6 o'clock. They're usually open because they realize that people are going to call at all times of day and night. They're usually open. Not all of them have those hours, but a lot of them are open 24-7. So use that number. It's the number is usually on the back of your card that says member services or customer service so that you don't feel like you're walking through that path alone. Even for those people that are listening that do not have help like that, maybe their kids live in another state or Maybe they're like my mother, (laughs) who at 91 years old says, I could do this myself. Okay, mom, I'll let you do it yourself. But here's what you need to do so that the instructions are clearly laid out for what she needs to do. I mean, of course, we go behind her and make sure that what she's doing is correct and we're helpful to her that way. But 
you know, if you're an empowered member and you're in this older American population and you're empowered enough to continue to do those things on your own, God bless you. Please continue to do those things on your own, but please make sure you're writing down the information that you need to follow in order to be able to do it correctly. Very good advice. We could do an entire episode on insurance alone. And I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but I do want to mention if you are someone who doesn't really know what you have as it relates to Medicare, I would encourage you to find your local SHIP office. That is a federal program that assists people in choosing the right Medicare option for them. It's different in each state. And I will put a link in the show notes and in the blog post for this episode so that you'll have that. But I'd encourage you to engage there because having the right plan makes all the difference in the world. Maybe you're somebody who needs a no copay plan. Maybe you have certain health issues that you're dealing with or certain medications that you need. These volunteers who are intensely trained can help match you to the right program. So that's my tip of the day. You're absolutely correct when you say reach out to the SHIP program, which is the state health insurance program. You're correct in encouraging them to do that. A lot of times what I encounter, especially with my older population, is that they call Medicare. Mm -hmm. And they have a conversation with Medicare and they get off the phone with Medicare and they're very stressed out because they're like, that was no help. And what people have to realize when you call the Medicare number, Medicare can only be of so much help. And that is because they can't seem like they're actually, you know, well, we like Blue Cross better than we like Cigna because that's actually misguiding you. So while they want to help you and while they more than likely have their own choices of which plans they would pick, they're unable to because then that actually puts a sort of of nepotism Mm -hmm. in the whole thing. So they give you as much as they can, but they can't lead you directly to what you want. Whereas with the SHIP programs, the people there can take a deep dive with you and look to see what's available, you know, under what plan. Certain people are on medications with the Medicare Part D. All insurances don't cover the same medications at the same rate. So speaking to someone at SHIP or knowing a patient advocate, knowing how to actually get a hold of a patient advocate and work with a patient advocate, knowing all of those things to help you along the way is a great, great help for you because while they want to, they just simply can't give you the information that they want to give you. A hundred percent. And Medicare is like alphabet soup. There are so many different pieces to it. It would be impossible unless you work in that arena to really be completely familiar. And I might mention also for those who are listening in Florida, our SHIP program is called SHINE. You've probably heard that before. So again, I'm going to have a link that will help you no matter where you are in the United States to find the program that is local to you. Now, I do want to actually also throw this out there because I do know that you have people of all ages that will be listening to the podcast. Mm -hmm. This is a very, very important tip, I should say. For those of you who are listening, 
who are not on Medicare, but you'll soon be eligible for Medicare. Please sign up and do what you're supposed to be doing to make sure, as far as your doctor's care goes, please make sure you are following the deadlines that Medicare provides to you for signing up for Medicare. One, if you don't do it, there's actually a fine that's charged against you for not doing it. Two, if you don't pick a Medicare plan and you're supposed to pick a Medicare plan, a lot of times a Medicare plan will be chosen for you. Right. If you have a Medicare plan that's chosen for you, say you say, okay, well, I want to do Medicare Advantage. So you halfway finish your papers and you're like, and you send them in and say, I want to do a Medicare Advantage. And you don't tell them what Medicare Advantage plan is. And you don't call to tell them, you know, hey, I'm, I filled the paperwork out and I now know what Medicare Advantage program I want. A lot of times you'll be put into a plan that your doctor is not a part of. And that's the last thing that you want to do is to be put in a plan, especially if you have a chronic illness where you're constantly seeing a doctor that's not on the plan that you're choosing, because you won't be able to see that doctor again unless you're paying full price to see him. Always, always, when Medicare sends you stuff and says, we need to have this back by Monday, June 1st at 10 o'clock in the morning, make sure you're putting that in the mail. And we all know that, you know, some states we have snail mail. So we all know that, hey, I need to not wait until May 20th and send this knowing that it's due June 1st. Fill it out as soon as you get the information so that you don't forget, so that you're not looking and saying, well, Dr. Smith said I can't come to him no more because I'm not, he's not on that plan. So that you're not being left out in the cold because, Plenty of times I hear people ask me, okay, well, what plan is better than the other plan? And it's not so much what plan is better than the other plan, is what plan is your doctor on? That's right. the plan that you want. So pick up the phone for those of you that are close to getting to Medicare age and almost there and know these papers are coming, pick up that phone, call your doctor's office, say, could you tell me what Medicare plans you take? so that I can know to fill these papers out correctly. So much good advice. I knew this was going to be an incredible conversation. Thank you so much. This is great. Good stuff. And don't worry, we're going to document all of this in one nice post to help you all work through it. And we'll create a checklist for you so that you can easily follow the tips that are being given here today. One more thing as it relates to insurance we talked about this before we started recording, and I want you to give a very brief explanation of what an EOB is, because it's something people all see those three letters together, but many don't know what that means. What is that? An EOB is an explanation of benefits. Never, ever pay a bill that you receive from a doctor's office without having the EOB from your insurance company that says how the claim was processed. I was just helping someone and he has a pile of bills and he's paying these bills and I'm like, well, what are you doing? He's like, I'm paying these bills. This stack is for what I'm being billed and this stack is for what I paid. And I was like, why are you doing it? He was like, well, that's what I have to do. And I'm like, where's your EOB? 
EOB, what's an EOB? And I had to explain it to him. I said, don't ever pay a bill without getting your explanation of benefit statement first. You go to the doctor's office and the doctor's office asks you, do you want to pay now or you want to pay later? You want to pay later because you want to make sure that the correct bill was billed to the insurance company and you want to make sure of the amount that you owe because if you go to an in-network or a contractor provider, say the bill is $200, the contracted rate is only $100. All you're responsible for is whatever your insurance doesn't cover of that $100. You're not responsible for the $200 because they're in-network, they're contracted, they shouldn't be charging you that. That's why you want to wait until the insurance company pays it and sends you an explanation of benefits or an EOB because that's when you'll know for sure what it is that you owe to the doctor's office because the insurance company will have processed it. And even then, what the EOB points out to you a lot of times, say you go to a doctor's office and you're getting a charge for a hospital. It'll tell you whether or not this was something that you actually had done and was it done at the place that is saying that you had it done. So EOB is your number one. When you go to paying the bill, you never want to pay it without actually receiving it. And if they haven't received it and you're getting a bill, call the insurance company. Once again, your best buds, call the insurance company (laughs) and ask them, say, hey, I got a bill from Dr. Smith for data service May 20th for $500. Did you receive this? And if they didn't receive it, they'll tell you we never received it. Let's call the doctor's office. And you can actually ask when you call the doctor's office so that your worries are put to bed. You can actually ask them, well, when you call to check on this, can I be on the phone with you? A lot of times they'll conference you in so that you can hear the conversation that goes on between the insurance company, the doctor's office, so that you'll know and always write down who it is you spoke to, what day it is you spoke to them, what the time is, because you might need that information. So, So always write it down. But that's what an explanation of benefit is. Actually, there's a book that's out that says, Never pay the first bill. And I could not agree with the book more. Never, ever pay the first bill. Because when you do, it takes some time, one, for you to get your money back. And two, a lot of times it just gets held up in red tape. So you don't want to do that. And just one final note, what happens a lot of times when you pay a bill and then you come to find out, oh, I shouldn't have paid this bill. And you call the doctor's office and say, hey, you billing me. $200 for this service. I wasn't supposed to pay it, but I paid it. Can I have my money back? They'll tell you that they'll give you a credit. What if you decide you don't want to go to that doctor again? What are you going to do with my credit? No, I want my money back. So never let them tell you that they'll put it on a credit if that's not what you want. I mean, actually ask for it and make sure you get a refund the same way you paid them if that's what you want. All right, that is where we're going to stop for today. And as I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, this is going to be a two-part series about acing your next doctor's appointment. So make sure that you're following up next time, next episode for part two. We'll have that ready for you in a couple of weeks. 
The best way to make sure that you don't miss that is to subscribe to the Sage Aging Podcast in your favorite podcast app. You can always find the episodes at eldercareguide.com. If you look on the front page, you'll find a link to all Sage Aging episodes, and we hope that you'll subscribe. And also, we hope that you'll send us some feedback. Let us know how we're doing. Are you enjoying the topics that we're creating for you? Or is there something that you'd like for us to cover that we haven't touched yet? We'd like to know. We'd also love to connect with you. You can find us on Instagram, on Facebook, and also on Twitter. Um, so we hope that you'll connect with us there. Or you can drop us a line at info at eldercareguide.com. That's all for today, friends. Thanks for taking the time to hang out with us today, and we'll talk real soon.